The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. It's the SNL Hall of Fame podcast. With your host, Jamie Dew. Chief Librarian, Thomas Senna. And featuring, Matt Ardill. And now, Curator of the Hall, Jamie Dew. Thank you so much, Doug DeNance. It is my pleasure to be here with you each and every week as the host of the SNL Hall of Fame podcast and the curator of the SNL Hall itself. Listen, the SNL Hall of Fame podcast is a weekly affair. Each week, we take a deep dive into the career of a former cast member, host, musical guest, or writer, and we add them to the ballot for your consideration. Once 15 of the 30 nominees have been announced, we turn to you, the listener, to vote for the most deserving and determine who will be enshrined for perpetuity in the hall. Now, before we go any further, I'll ask you a favor. Please wipe your feet before entering the hall. We just had the floors polished, and uh, it's important they look impeccable for the class of 2023 that you will be responsible for electing. As I mentioned, 15 nominees get nominated, and we open the floor for voting. This, if you're keeping count at home, is number 12. No, number 11. Uh, This is number 11, the nominee number 11. So there'll be four more before we open the gates. Have you registered to vote? That's what uh, that's my big question for you this week. Have you registered to vote? We've made it very simple. You can go to the vote page on the snlhof.com website uh, and just click there to register to vote or any of the links that I post uh, in any of the socials all have a spot for registering as well. And they all also have a spot to review if you care to review the podcast. That would be really tremendous if you registered and reviewed. Oh my gosh. Both your R's covered, covering your R's, as it were. Oh, boy. Uh, So there it is. Uh, That's my appeal to you to register to vote because we need you. Without you, there's nobody electing the electorate. And that just doesn't make any sense. This week, especially, you'll be like, hey, scratching my head, because uh, how does Will Ferrell uh, not get in? Well, he doesn't get in if there's nobody to elect him in. But this week, we're talking with Jamie Burwood about the great Will Ferrell, a slam dunk, if you ask me. Before we get into that, though, why don't we uh, visit with our friend Matt Ardill? Hey, Matt. You ready for a minutia minute? Let's do it. Awesome. Okay, so today we're talking about Will Ferrell, uh, the gentle giant. Uh, He's six foot three. Uh, born July 16th, 1967. His first episode is in season 21, uh, September 30th, 1995. So that's the uh, Norm MacDonald, David Spade, uh, Mark McKinney era. 
that we have there. Great lineup, great place to start. He really brought an interesting energy. His last season uh, was season 27. So that was the Jimmy Fallon, Tina Fey era. So the first year where we had uh, Amy Poehler, you know, Seth, uh, you know, it was just a great lineup. But yeah, I mean, he had some great characters and his impressions I always found fun because he wasn't the best impressionist for the most part, but he kind of found an energy and exploited that in characters like his George Bush was a solid impression. I mean, there's a reason why he did a Broadway show for that. But it's Robert Goulet and and Alex Trebek, who I both love, kind of have the general spirit of those of those folks but really are like just exploring a strange energy like the aggression of alex trebek in his celebrity jeopardy right just is is hilarious because it's so against type but it's exactly what you would imagine would be going through alex trebek's head faced by sean connery (laughs) writing penis yeah but i mean his characters though i mean uh craig the cheerleader Paula Pell creation, Steve Butabi uh, from Night at the Roxbury. But my favorite is Roger Clairvin. Uh Name you probably won't recognize. The no, guy no. with, yeah, was, uh, not every, but the guy with the hot tub. Like Roger. Oh my gosh, yes. Like those sketches were just him and Rachel Dretch going to town. Now, he is a former groundling. Uh, he hosted five times and has made five cameos uh, since his departure, with his last hosting gig being November 23rd, 2019, when he joined the Five Timer Club. Uh, prolific artist, 131 actor credits, 83 producer credits, 22 writer credits, and 39 soundtrack credits, uh, which may tie back to the fact that he is the son of of Roy Lee Farrell, uh, a ex- uh, successful musician who has performed with Dick Dale in the Deltones, Frankie Avalon and Annette Funicello in Muscle Beach Party, and was a member of the Righteous Brothers Band playing keyboards and saxophones for the band for 20 years, starting in the late 1960s. Uh, and he's performed, his dad performed on two of his movie, uh, movies. He played, did the song, uh, Goodbye Cowboy in Talladega Nights and the song Brother in Step Brothers. So you can have a real family experience when watching those movies. Will picked up a lot of his dad's talents. He's a, he can sing. He can he does although in Anchorman it wasn't him, uh, but he can actually play the flute uh, as well as guitar and drums, which led to the infamous uh, battle drum battle between him and his doppelganger. Chad Smith of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, he's actually a, a sports journalist by education, uh, which brings new depth to his Harry Carey uh, impersonation, as well as his, his character Ron Burgundy. Uh, he actually interned at NBC in sports journalism, and uh, yeah, the, he 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 just really has that energy uh, that that everybody loves Uh, from his first audition for SNL. They actually loved one character so much. That was his first sketch. The get off the shed character was a character he created for his audition. Um, And uh, his first screen appearance was an uncredited background actor in the movie Kingpin 
So when you hear somebody shout, Ernie, you're the man, that is, in fact, Will Ferrell's first screen appearance. Oh. Will Ferrell joined SNL at the beginning of a new era. Uh, what do you remember about season 20? You know, that season was uh, the one prior to Will joining the cast. That was Adam Sandler's last year, Farley's last year. So what do you remember about season 20 in particular and where, where SNL was heading into Will's first season? Yeah, I feel like season 20 was just such a such a strange season looking back. And I think for me... Not not a favorite, just the style of comedy and I think what it's come to be associated with that kind of very, a little bit darker, a little more pessimistic, sometimes even a little bit mean-spirited, I might say. Mm -hmm. I know some people, um, some people may have a different opinion, but for me, it just, it was feeling stale. And I think audiences felt like it was starting to feel stale as well. And, and I think that was evidence with what we saw with the whole cast shakeup for season 21. But I think as we as we think about Will Ferrell and start talking about kind of what his importance and what his legacy was, like timing is just a, a huge element of it. Like he he joined the show in season 21 with a lot of new fresh faces coming off of that infamous season 20. And it's maybe getting a little a little too far ahead, but I feel like he really played a role in in keeping the show alive at that point, where in, in season 20 it was very much in jeopardy, you could say. Yeah, like over the years, even starting with as early as probably as seasons four or five, maybe even earlier than that, there was the whole Saturday Night Dead headlines and is the show going to get canceled? But there are very few moments throughout the show's history where that was actually possibly a reality. And you're right, after season 20, that was maybe more sort of a, a reality. And it was people like Will Ferrell coming into the show who... I don't know if, if it's hyperbolic to say that, that he and that cast kind of saved the show. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> I, I think it's it's absolutely accurate. I mean, I feel like in in different hands, I think the show would not have gotten that spark of energy that it got through Farrell and, and some of the other kind of cast members from that era. I feel like it it did save the show in a way. And again, we'll never know kind of what things would have looked like in an alternate history timeline with different folks in there. But I feel like what, what Will Ferrell and that cast did was really make the show relevant again. And, and that was what it needed at that moment in history. Yeah. It needed some life. And were you watching the show live at the time or did you catch up on it? Yeah. So I caught up. I started watching actually around the time when Will Ferrell came on. So I did not watch season 20 live. I've gone back and, and watched it. But um, I think for me, like Will Ferrell's era was my my era. So I will say that I may be a little bit biased in that way. But for me, it really was that energy of everyone talking about this talented new cast and just what they were doing and just how so many of the sketches became just famous and became part of our pop culture fabric at that time. And that that played a big role for me in terms of my own discovery of SNL and, and why that era was so special to me. 
I know that era is special to you and you're a great person to talk about this because you were on season one of the Essna Hall of Fame on the Molly Shannon episode and you did such a great job uh, breaking down Molly Shannon's career. So I know how much this era uh, definitely means to you. As far as Will Ferrell, what were your first impressions of Will when you saw him on the show? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I feel like he was a bit of an acquired taste for me. And I, I don't know if I'm unique in that. Um, but I think that he comes across like very, very big. Like one thing that I thought was really interesting was when his very first episode of SNL aired, Entertainment Weekly did a review and called him the most annoying new cast member <laughs> and just completely roasted him, said he was awful, over the top. Um, and so I'll be honest, for me, it wasn't an instant connection, but the more you watch the guy, it just, it becomes infectious. You just see the talent, you see the humor. It just, he becomes one of those people where the second you see him, you want to start laughing. And that's just such a talent. I don't think there are many other cast members that I can even say that about. So for me, I'm, I'm not going to say that like it was instant. He was on my screen. I became a super fan, but very soon after it just became clear how incredible he was. No, I don't think you were alone. I mean, you, that was, uh, you cited the entertainment weekly review that many SNL fans in hindsight, uh, think is pretty hilarious, but I think he was in a, a, a bit of an acquired taste at first. Cause he, he looked unassuming too. And I think that's one of the things about him is he looked just kind of like this normal guy. So I remember when I first saw him, I think when he, when he appeared on the show, I was about 15, 14 or 15. And so when I saw him, I just kind of registered him in my mind, I think is just, just going to be kind of a boring guy. Like, you know, yeah. uh, we've seen this before on SNL. He's, looks like an archetype that's just kind of cookie cutter and then he just popped off the screen and the, he just he was just so dynamic that, that 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 you know I couldn't help but just gravitate toward him right away uh, for sure so we could start just kind of by talking about characters and sketches so so I'll let you uh, start Jamie uh, yeah what characters or sketches should we start with when it comes to Will Ferrell there's so many. Yes. So I'll, I'm going to mm -hmm. start with a few of the big, like really well-known, like the ones that you just have to talk about when you're talking about Will Ferrell on SNL. So I think Celebrity Jeopardy for me is one that just stands out because it has really become timeless, I think, in terms of just everyone's awareness of these sketches, just Will Ferrell's role, but also... What I like about those sketches is that it's not just Will Ferrell being over the top, right? Like he is doing his Alex Trebek bit, but he also is helping just set the stage for what ends up being these hilarious, classic, timeless sketches and kind of making everyone else around him funny and allowing them that stage to just do really great hilarious things. And and that's not to say that he isn't funny in those sketches, like he he absolutely is hilarious, I think, on on his own and in those as well. But just I think he he in some ways becomes the the glue that allows those other kind of fake contestants to to do what they do best. And I just those always will hold a special place in my heart when thinking about Will Ferrell. Yeah, no, those are classic. And I think that's a good example of Will having a lot of range. Like he's a good teammate in those sketches where he he allows 
you know, Norm MacDonald as Burt Reynolds to shine or Daryl Hammond as Sean Connery to shine. And Will plays his role and plays it really well. And he's kind of a straight man, but there's, this is going to be a, probably a theme in a lot of Will Ferrell characters is he's a straight man, but there's this bubbling rage underneath the surface that's just kind of waiting to come out. I'll tell you what, let's do colors that end in purple for 800. This color ends in purple. Hillary Swank. What is light purple? Wow. Keanu Reeves. I will venture a guess. Who is Jaleel White? What? Is that not the gentleman who played Urple, the humorous fellow with the glasses who loves cheese? That's Urkel. Oh, good. Mr. Connery wants to say something. I thought of some more foreign ladies I snogged. Let's just go to hot or cold for 400. So it's Will's kind of take on a straight man. <laughs> and he does bring a lot to that. His take on Alex Trebek. I think when a lot of people watch those sketches, they think that's that's how Alex Trebek is. They're, they're in their mind that's Alex Trebek, or in their mind that's Sean Connery or Burt Reynolds. Like those sketches just were one of the sketches in that in that era that just totally made an imprint on people. Even casual SNL fans or people who didn't watch the show at all knew those sketches. Exactly. Yeah. And I love when even like Jeopardy itself has asked some questions now about celebrity Jeopardy becoming very meta. And I just, I think you're absolutely right. Like it is one of those things that it has gone beyond SNL. And I think Will Ferrell's character in those sketches has gone beyond SNL. And it just, it's, it's one of the ones that like, if you're talking about Will Ferrell and his legacy in SNL, you have to at least, at least mention that one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you walk into the SNL Hall of Fame and look at the Will Ferrell exhibit, Will Ferrell as Alex Trebek is going to be almost front and center in that exhibit. So I think that's that, that's like a perfect place to start. One thing that that he debuted with Sherry O'Terry in his first season, and uh, actually the fifth episode of his first season was The Cheerleaders. And that's another one that sort of transcended SNL fandom and people who weren't SNL fans started to to know about the cheerleaders. My gosh, I love this one, cheerleaders. Like this, this is the other one for me. I was debating on bringing up this one first because this also is when you think of like going beyond SNL, like this is, this is one you absolutely have to talk about. I feel like just the... The energy, of course, which we've talked about, and that's that's every Will Ferrell character, but just like the offsetting or the balance of seeing him with Sherry O'Terry, he's so tall, she's so tiny. There was that like physical element that just is funny, the commitment that they both had every time that sketch came up was just unparalleled. So you want a victory? Well, that makes you a wisher. One thing that is for sure, you ain't no Bobby Fischer. Bobby Fischer. Where is he? I don't know. I don't know. Bobby Fischer. Where is he? I don't know. I don't know. Go ask your mama and make sure you listen. Because one thing is for sure, Bobby Fischer's missing. Bobby Fischer. Where is he? I don't know. I don't know. Bobby Fischer. Where is he? I don't know. I don't know. He's gone. Hey, who's that Spartan in my TP? It's me. It's me. Who's that Spartan in my TP? It's me. It's me. Uh-huh. 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 Um, so yeah, that was one I 
that I've always loved that one from day one. When I think back to like the the mid late nineties and just my own experiences with SNL, I think that that one definitely stands out. Um, even just thinking to last week in the the monologue with Miles Teller in that whole. Um, that whole video clip that was shown from mm-hmm. his childhood, like it really was the kind of thing that like kids in their living rooms would imitate and people would talk about at work. Like, did you see this? This was so ridiculous. Halloween costumes you can still find. Like, it's just, it's just one of those, one of those truly classic um, recurring sketches. Yeah, and I think I love going back and watching some of those sketches. Uh, you're right. Like, I noted the energy right away. I noted the chemistry between he and Sherry O'Terry. They told they, they told the story. It wasn't just two cheerleaders. I love the fact that they were cheerleaders who weren't on the team. I mean, that, that told you a lot about who those characters were right away, just super efficiently they didn't have to delve into their backstory just by knowing that these were two people who were not on the cheerleading squad but decided to be cheerleaders for the school anyway that 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 tells you enough backstory to where they can play off of that in a lot of different ways and you know we're recording this a week after that miles teller episode and that was great i know me and my cousin nico i'm pretty sure we we did a whole our version of a cheerleaders <laughs> sketch. I'm sure when we were kids, uh, we used to kind of copy a lot of a lot of what SNL did. So 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 that definitely resonated. When we're talking about recording characters, I think one of the things that I look for is do people feel compelled to imitate those characters? And I think you know we'll see that might be a pattern in a lot of Will Ferrell's work as people just really feel compelled to to imitate a lot of what he does. Agreed. Agreed. It's just, it's, it's taking a role, making it a little bit more over the top. And that's, that's, what's funny about it. And I think going back to, we were talking about like that, that moment of time for like Will Ferrell's kind of comedy coming in. I feel like these types of characters, like what Molly Shannon did, what Will Ferrell and others did during this time, these were the types of characters that I would argue that SNL needed. They were a little bit big. They were a little bit splashy at times. I think sometimes they could be a little bit polarizing even, but I feel like it was there. It was in your face. It was fun. You wanted to talk about it. And I feel like that that really sets Will Ferrell apart. Well, yeah, that's what the show needed too. When it became popular in the late 70s, you, you had these these big characters that people that people wanted to imitate. You had Gilda doing like Roseanne, Rosanna, Dana. You had the cheeseburger, cheeseburger guys. You had these characters who were big. And I think this specific era of SNL in the late 90s went back to that. And I think it was to their benefit. I think that gave the show a lot of attention and they had the perfect uh, leading man, <laughs> I, I guess, in many ways to, to, to carry a lot of that. Yeah, so where where great. where should we go next? We might we might just sit here and kind of volley, yeah, <laughs> with, I love it. with Will Ferrell because there's just so much meat on the bone here. So so yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Where, where where do you want to go? Um, oh, I love the Culps. <laughs> I feel like that is another one that like for me, you talked about things that can be imitated, and I mean, no one could imitate it as well as the original, but just that energy. I think back to just the like musical element of those sketches and just the commitment between Will and Anagastire and just how they both 
embrace those roles in such a committed way. And one of the things I love about Will Ferrell, and I think this can be said for a couple other people on his cast as well, but the level of commitment. Like, I don't think you can find, you can maybe find some people that tie it or match it, but I don't think you can find another performer across SNL's history that committed as fully (laughs) to every single role as Will Ferrell did. Just that dedication, like it just, he comes across as such a professional in everything that he does. Like he is there, he is serious, he is in that character. And I feel like honestly, like, the Culps is when I think about like commitment to a role, like that is one of the recurring sketches that that stands out for me. So based on our experience, keep in mind that the lover you are holding tonight just may be your lover forever. Absolutely. So get on your feet. Let's feel the beat as we submerge into the funky deep. <laughs> One, two, three, four. Chaka Khan. Chaka Khan. That's so funny because I, I take notes, you know, part of my prep here, which I love doing is I go back and watch sketches and characters and I take notes here in a Word document. And one of the notes that I put was just simply commitment. Yeah. That that's what separates performers like Will from a lot of other performers on SNL who maybe maybe we see talent in and we wonder why they don't get a chance to shine why we, you know, there's a lot of talk, like, why doesn't the show give them a chance or whatever? And I think a lot of it boils down to how committed the the performer is in what they're doing. Like, you got to really sink yourself into it. If, if, if the audience sees hesitation in, in the performance, they, I think the audience might st- start feeling a little uncomfortable watching a performer who's not totally committed. And Will Ferrell is up there with people like Dana Carvey as far as the most commitment that I've ever seen uh, on the show. People like Molly Shannon, that era was blessed with people who just threw themselves <laughs> into a performance. So I love that you said commitment because I think when when kind of summing up Will Ferrell, that, that's just a huge thing. The Culps in particular... I mean, just such a such a silly premise. We've seen we've seen characters in that realm before. I mean, SNL's been around for since the nineteen seventy five. We're going to kind of see similar things, but their take on it, as far as the they, were, they weren't lounge singers, but just this couple singing pop songs and everything. Just their their take on that was just so much fun, and that's what this era was to me. It's just fun. yeah. Yeah, and another thing about Will Ferrell is I feel like he had such great chemistry with every member of the cast. Like, you could pair him with just about anyone. You look at kind of him with Sherry O'Terry, him with Molly Shannon, him with Anna Gasteyer. Like, it, any one of those become classic duos with the right sketch. And I feel like a big part of that was Will's energy. And I, I feel like I say the word energy a lot, but, like, it's literally when I think of Will Ferrell, like, the first word that comes to mind his energy and his ability to play off of other people in such a dedicated way allowed him to create this instant chemistry with anyone who was really on his his cast throughout the seasons, even thinking like Rachel Dratch later on, like just 
had this ability to to connect in a great way. He was such a great teammate when when he was on the show. We've even seen that, and I think a lot in a lot of his uh, movie and television performances too. He just seems like such a teammate. He's he wants his co his his co star in the in whatever scene he's in to shine along with him. He's just so for such a big performer who gets a lot of attention. He's very giving performer with his colleagues too. One of the, I, I asked you what first caught your attention about Will Ferrell and what first caught my attention is, I, I don't know if it's, I don't think it's a, it's an obscure sketch, but it, it was, it was a one-off. So it wasn't one of his major characters, but there was a sketch in his first season in season 21 called Wake Up and Smile, yes. where you remember that one with, uh, it was with Nancy Walls and David Allen Greer, and they were a morning show whose teleprompter went out and this is along the lines of some of my favorite types of sketch where it just escalates and then des- descends into madness and they, it ends up turning into Lord of the Flies yep. <laughs> in the studio, essentially. And that was fairly early on in his tenure. And that's something that kind of perked me up. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy goes for it and he plays unhinged better than I've, I think I've ever seen anybody yeah, I completely agree. I feel like the zaniness of that sketch is just next level. Like you see that kind of slow descent into a breakdown of everything going on on that show. And he just, he elevates the whole thing. I mean, you think about that last bit where he's like eating the weatherman's head and it's just like <laughs> all bets are off at that point. Like you see, okay, this is a performer who just goes all in, will take a sketch that in some ways like it's not like the rewriting the the whole formula for a sketch comedy like it's taking a, a nice premise of like descending into madness and just making it great because of what he is bringing to it and so I think that really is the the perfect example of like you said something from earlier on in his tenure but where you start to see like wow what this person is bringing to the table is really next level and we're watching something pretty special here the order of the hand will rule oh the animals of the zoo guy danny usher will sustain us but what if the box still refuses to give us words you challenge my authority I smell from your scent that you are weak. I challenge you! The weatherman is dead! And I don't know how much of a deep cut Wake Up and Smile is. It's something that I always watched when I was a teenager and throughout the years I would go back if I felt like watching an SNL sketch I would go back and and, and watch Wake Up and Smile but if I, I urge anybody who if you haven't seen it just go back and watch it and watch watch madness just sort of <laughs> just sort of happen in a few minutes span so on here on the SNL Hall of Fame we like to do a game called Two Truths and a Lie so I am actually we don't usually do this but I'm going to give you a choice of categories. I'm going to throw out two categories and you have your choice. You get to pick okay, a category. I'm excited. I like a choice. All right. All right. So for two truths and a lie, first category is Lucifer songs. Okay. All right. Second category is fake commercials. God. 
Let's go with fake commercials. Fake commercials. All right. So Will Ferrell appeared in numerous commercial parodies, some of which were dog-themed. These are dog-themed commercial parodies he appeared in. So I'm going to name three dog-themed commercial parodies, one of which is a lie. All right. One of them is Dissing Your Dog. One of them is Doggy Einstein Home Video Program. And one of them is Pet Chow Rat Poison. Uh, Which one's the lie? So I'm a little stumped here. So I know Dissing Your Dog. Dissing Your Dog (laughs) is great. Like, absolutely brilliant. Just, like, throwing shade at, at dogs in classic Will Ferrell shtick. Oh, right, Margaret. You wanted prime rib. Here's the deal. The Palm wasn't taking reservations. Now, we want to try Morton's because I understand they have a new chef. So for now, let's just go with the Alpo, okay? I know it's not your first choice, but keep in mind, you're a f***ing dog. But I'm stumped on the other two. Well, you get some extra credit for showing your work, Justin. So that's good. That's a good start. (laughs) Just like in math class, that's what I learned. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with the... Pet Chow one is the lie. No, the Doggy the Einstein one? Home Video Program. Oh my gosh, is the lie. That sounds like hilar- a very hilarious video that I would love to watch, even though it doesn't exist. It. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to watch it too. I, I invented that sketch name last night, so I'm I glad. love it. I love it. <laughs> I'm glad it fooled you. No, he did a sketch too. You're right. Dissing your dog was a really great commercial yeah. parody he did in his last season and pet chow rat poison so it's kind of, it's a, it's kind of an off kilter will ferrell humor where it's this guy his last name is pet chow and he advertises he makes a brand of rat poison and even on the cover of the rat poison box it's a picture of of his dog as the mascot for the rat poison I so i mean <laughs> that sounds amazing definitely we'll be going to watch that after this that yes fantastic. and <laughs> will ferrell was such a great pitch man too i mean just outside of sketches whenever i saw will ferrell come on and do do a commercial parody which which they it's 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 a timeless tradition uh, in SNL, and Will Ferrell was a perfect guy to keep up the tradition of of commercial parodies. So that's yes. that's that's why I wanted to bring that up. Love it, love it. Yeah, no, I I feel like just anything where he's parodying, and I think just because like he does such a great like serious, solemn attitude face as well that he can just deliver things deadpan in such a brilliant way. So I feel like it it definitely suits suits him for those kind of um kind of roles. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Do you think he would have done well in Lucifer songs? Do you know what that's referencing? Yeah, I know the sketch. I wasn't sure like how was it like specific lyrics or like how how well you needed to know know the songs it was uh well, we could do a bonus round real quick sure, let's want. do it let's all right do it. so bonus round of two truths and a lie <laughs> so in this sketch garth brooks plays a musician who's struggling to come up with a song and he says he'll sell his soul for a good song and the devil played by will ferrell appears out of nowhere so the devil tries to write a song for for Garth Brooks as this musician. So which of these is not a song that the devil came up with? So the devil came up with Fred's Got Slacks. The devil came up with All Aboard the Fun Bus. And the devil came up with The Love Bat. Which one of those is a lie? You have to be singing at least one of them in your head right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with the 
fun bus is the lie. You're correct. Okay. Yeah, I, all aboard the fun bus was not a, a song. I, was like, I don't remember with. that unless there's like an extended like secret cut no. that I haven't seen. But um, yeah, no, that is just another great, great sketch, and oh, just gosh, like gosh. him, him coming out and just that whole get up and like again commitment, commitment all around. <laughs> and it's so quotable too. I have a I have a friend. Who we used to we used to sing Fred's Got Slacks to each other. I love just, it. I just just add the blue and crack each other up. Behold the song that'll take you to the top of the charts. Alright. There's a guy named Fred and he's got a pair of slacks. Ooh, Fred's got slacks. Really quite sharp, but they're a little tight in the waist. Ooh, Fred's got slacks on the boulevard. And some people would be confused and we would just tell them, go watch this sketch yep, yep. with Will Ferrell and, <laughs> and, and you'll be on the same page with us. So, yeah, just total, again, total commitment. Yep. Garth Brooks was actually a really great host. That that could yeah. be maybe like another SNL Hall of Fame episode possibly someday. So where do we go from here, Jamie? Yeah, Brooks? okay. Let's see. What are some of the things we haven't talked about yet? Oh, I definitely want to talk about the patriotic shorts or short mm-hmm. shorts for USA. Mm-hmm. Like I, when I think about Will Ferrell, I feel like this sketch is just to me, Will Ferrell in a nutshell. And maybe it's not like one of his like recurring characters that people associate as immediately with Will Ferrell. But what I love about this sketch, so I think it was a couple episodes in after 9-11 and he essentially shows up to the office in American patriotic attire, but just the most inappropriate, like, crop top, basically wearing a thong, short shorts to the max, and just, like, classic Will Ferrell just being willing to throw his body in your face just for laughs. And that's what I love about this one. I feel like it, you see the entire like rest of the folks on stage trying to keep it together because it's just literally Will doing what Will does best. Cast members have said that like classic Will move is like wearing fewer clothing during the live show compared to dress rehearsal. And I think this was an example of that where like what he came out with was just even next level and really just kind of pushing people to that breaking point. And you just see in him, this is a performer with no shame. And I mean that in the best possible way of just being willing to go out there, do what he needed to do for a laugh at a time when people really needed a laugh. And I just think this was an awesome, awesome classic sketch. You put it in context as far as it was It was the second show uh, after 9-11, so, you know, that first show, there were some funny sketches, but it was all about kind of easing in back into the show and back into laughing and comedy in general, general, because around that time, of course, it was a somber mood uh, in the country. And people were, I think, very in a very real way, not in the necessarily in the mood to, to laugh a ton, but it's fitting that Will Ferrell was maybe the guy, at least for me who made me laugh the most that I had in over a month. Yep. And he probably had the championship belt as far as comedy goes at that time. So it was appropriate that Will Ferrell was the guy who broke the ice and said, hey, you know, let's laugh again. 
And I, I did hear that story too about, I think it was in dress rehearsal. He came out with short shorts, yep. <laughs> like maybe something that I imagined to be like bicycle shorts or sure, something like yep. that. And then in the live sketch, he comes out with honestly a bunched up thong essentially. Yep. And Sean William Scott was the host, Horatio Sands, Amy Pol a young Amy Poehler yeah. in her second episode uh, was in that sketch. And so you could see their reactions and he's just kind of owning the room. Will Ferrell's owning the room in this crop top and thong. It's you, uh, American flag themed. So that that's one that I highlighted too, because it just, it's important as far as after 9-11, Will Ferrell saying, let's laugh. Yeah, and, I totally yeah. agree. Yeah. And I think it, it works because of Ferrell. Like he is the star of that moment, right? There are other sketches we can talk about where it's maybe a bit more ensemble and he does great with that as well. But this was like, we were laughing at that moment, all the reactions to it as well and just how it all played together to create that brilliant moment. But like, I feel like him being in that role, him being the one to come out wearing that made it so funny and made it just so, so classic Will Ferrell. And we're, we're a little over 30 minutes into this discussion, and I can hear our listeners yelling at their phones or devices, like, when are they going to talk about the most famous sketch of this era, one of the most famous sketches in SNL history? So it's probably a good time to do it. What do you remember about the cowbell sketch, the behind the music Blue Oyster Cult? Oh, so I feel like this one is just, like you said, when when you think about Will Ferrell and like what is in his monument or his hall of fame kind of banner, this one, this one absolutely is there, right? Like it's, it's him again, kind of doing a little bit of that, like body humor. He comes in with a very like tight shirt, belly hanging out. So already you're kind of laughing at the physicality of it. Right. But he also is just elevating the material, right? Like to me, the best, the best Will Ferrell sketches are the ones where the writing and material is great. And I think this one is a, a perfect example of that. Like you have great folks that he's sharing the stage with, great material, great concept, but he elevates it to the next level with what he does with his character. Um, and I think that is one of the reasons that this one is just so, so classic and continues to be quoted at a crazy high level, probably one of the most quoted SNL sketches um, that I've seen. Can I just say one thing? Say it, baby, just say it. I'm standing here staring at rock legend Bruce Dickinson. The cock in a walk, baby. And if Bruce Dickinson wants more cowbell, we should probably give him more cowbell. Say it, baby. And Bobby, you are right, I am being selfish. But the last time I checked, we don't have a whole lot of songs that feature the cowbell. I gotta have more cowbell, baby. <laughs> And I'd be doing myself a disservice and every member of this band if I didn't perform the hell out of this. And this was one, I think Will Ferrell as a cast member got people to watch the show again. And I think this sketch in particular, I know it was his fifth season, so it was a little late in his tenure. But I think this one definitely grabbed the attention of people who weren't necessarily SNL fans. So, so I think over the years, we see him with each new character or memorable sketch bringing in new SNL fans quite honestly from his from his basically his debut 
up and through. He did seven seasons on the show. And I think throughout all seven of those seasons, he sort of grabbed people and said, oh, you, you, you used to watch the show and you don't think it's good anymore? Here, watch this. And he just sort of started grabbing people and bringing people back into the SNL fold. And this behind the music cowbell sketch was one of the ones where I had friends who and, and family who I didn't even know gave a crap about SNL quoting this sketch and it made me so happy as an SNL fan it was always one of those moments as an SNL fan where it's like you feel vindicated for 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 your fandom and putting your time and energy uh, into the show when a sketch breaks through like this you feel validated <laughs> for uh, for the work that you put into it yep absolutely and I feel like that when you talk about like the the legacy and the impact of Will Ferrell I think that's a perfect way to encapsulate it it's the things he was doing were going beyond the core SNL community. And I think that's important for the show's relevance and for bringing new fans in, like you said, maybe fans who had been fans back in the day, or um, even just for like new generations of fans who are trying to decide, is this the show I care about? Is this a show I'm going to be invested in? Do I care about this cast? And I feel like for Will Ferrell, he made a lot of people, not only fans of him and his comedy style, but of the show and, and introduce them maybe to other members of the the cast that were doing great things at the time. And I have a few other things highlighted. So, uh, and I know you do too. So I'm going to give yeah. the floor to you and they probably, we probably overlap. So what do you All right. want to talk about next? And I feel like the tricky thing with Will Ferrell is right. <laughs> like we could go on and there's still oh, going to be a few sketches where people are going to be like, how did you not talk about that one? Because yeah. there's yeah. just so, so many. Um, Dr. Beeman, I feel like this is a fun one to to talk about just because it's so unique to me. So this sketch where basically Will Ferrell is kind of explaining that there's a couple comes in and he's they're worried about their baby and test results. And he is just all over the place. He's on the phone. He's just completely zany. And to me, this is like a sketch where it's let's just throw a bunch of like weird stuff in there and it kind of works. And why I feel like this one is great to talk about in the context of Will Ferrell specifically is I feel like in someone else's hands, this sketch maybe wouldn't have worked. It would be like, what are they doing? SNL trying too hard. Where's the cohesion? But in Will Ferrell's hands, it somehow becomes this brilliantly zany sketch and the point of the sketch doesn't even totally matter it just becomes everyone laughing ridiculously at at Will Ferrell and I feel like this is also a fun one because you get a little bit of the like breaking so like Will breaks a little bit in this one and I feel like Will Ferrell is one who often causes those around him Mm -hmm. to break understandably so it's kind of nice seeing that element as well and just seeing that kind of unpredictability in this sketch made it really fun for me. Look, I couldn't think of anything good. Uh, the truth is, we misplaced your baby. You Vondruk! Is that an actual curse word? I think so. <laughs> Yeah, he broke when when he said we misplaced your baby. Yeah, <laughs> he, could, he, he he couldn't keep it together, and that that made uh, Molly Shannon and Chris Parnell were in that sketch along with him, and it made both of them 
break too. He could he could barely utter utter that sentence. It reminded me of that a little bit of Debbie Downer when 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 she said, I think the line was, "It's official. I can't have children." And it was the most dark line, yeah. and they could they couldn't keep it together. I was recently talking with a friend about SNL as as I do, and she had asked me about my just my favorite sketches of all time, and I realized that I've never really kind of tried to make a list of my all-time favorite sketches. So I kind of went in there and I started highlighting what are just like my all-time, all-time favorites. And this doctor's office, the Dr. Beeman sketch is, was one of the 20 or 25 yeah. that I specifically highlighted as like my, my all-time favorite sketches. That zany oddball stuff is right up my alley. And that's uh, for the listeners that season 25, episode 10 specifically Please, please go watch that. And it's very much oddball, but Will Ferrell delivers it in in such a perfect way. And you're right, Jamie, in somebody else's hands, it may have worked a little bit, but it wouldn't have been elevated this much. Like with the current cast, I could honestly see someone like Andrew Dismukes trying something like that. I think his humor is is sort of in that realm. But without Will Ferrell (laughs) playing that role, there would have been something just missing as far as far as the commitment and everything so and there's a there's kind of a fun piece of snl trivia in 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 that sketch too so when tim meadows comes out Mm -hmm. as dr poop and uh molly and chris see him molly kind of like was surprised a little bit because i think in dress rehearsal that was supposed to be freddie prince jr Oh, who came out as the doctor. Okay. So they didn't expect Tim Meadows to be the one to come out. And then he did the robot and charged them like $500 for doing yep. the robot and, and they couldn't keep it together. But that was one of those unexpected things that, that happened in the live sketches that Tim Meadows came out unexpectedly. So it's just, just a, just a great, wonderful thing. It, it really is. And, and like you said, it's, it's elevating something that maybe would be be good regardless, but taking it to like next level to that place where it is in contention for like one of your all time favorite sketches, which is, is saying a lot for Will Ferrell, I think. And he also played a character that maybe, maybe was his most famous that, that brought him most into the national spotlight uh, was his George W. Bush. Yeah. And he did that 28 times on the show and debuted it relatively late. I mean, season 25 is that's when Bush was running for for president and so so there was a need for that. But Will Ferrell's George W. Bush just instantly grabbed people. Yeah, no, I feel like it really is one of the great presidential impersonations of the show's history in my in my view and I don't know if it's just the with kind of the new cast and then also bringing in the political element as well. You have kind of the best of both worlds coming in and, and just how he, again, this was a a situation where I feel like it was the material was great. And then will elevated it, right? Like we know that George W there was a lot of great material there. The writer did some awesome things with that. And then you come in with Will's timing and Will's timing takes great lines and great writing and turns it into one of the best impressions of all time. And I think it it just became it just became fun. It became something that we could all laugh at together. And it's definitely one of the aspects of Will's time on the show that I remember most fondly for sure. Yeah, and I look at it as a caricature more maybe more so than an impression. It it wasn't like a spot on 
impression uh, necessarily, but I don't mind that. As a viewer, a spot-on impression can only take things so far for me. There needs to be a comedic angle behind that impression. So I care more about the comedic angle than if somebody looks and sounds exactly like the person. And with this one, it was just such a funny caricature that of yep. course when you do when you start playing presidents and uh, and and people in politics you're going to get that national attention my mom quoted something from one of these sketches to me like two weeks ago <laughs> during a conversation she she could have looked at me and and said something like being president's hard like that, that this is something that we both that 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 we both remember <laughs> will yep. ferrell as george w bush saying and and i think you you're absolutely right uh in the way you put it it was it became a, just the shared thing that we could all laugh at and yep. and will put his his own personal will ferrell spin on this political figure who he was he was governor of texas before he ran for president so we didn't really know i mean unless you really followed politics you didn't know a ton of about george w bush or what he sounded like but will ferrell just totally took an element of george w bush and added and put his personal spin on it it was just it was just really great <laughs> First of all, I think that any instability in that first country you mentioned uh, <laughs> is troubling. And clearly, the, the second guy you spoke of uh, beat the first guy. <laughs> Personally, I, I favor seeking the diplomatic help of the person I call guy number three. Uh, <laughs> But I'm not going to pronounce any of their names tonight because I don't believe that's in our national interest. Yeah, I think you're right in terms of the when you think about like impressionists on SNL, Will Ferrell is probably not the best technical impressionist in terms of like every perfect mannerism or whatever, but he still had memorable real life characters that he was portraying in a way that people connected with. And I think that's because a lot of times the best impressions or caricatures aren't just somebody trying to be perfectly technically correct. And then you say, oh, great job at the end of the sketch, but you don't really take anything away from it. What he did was create this persona that almost had a life of its own and that people connected with. And that's that's what the job is. That's what what you're there to do. And he did that exceptionally well, I would say. Yeah, and some of Will's best characters were of the genre that I like to call confident idiots. And most recently, I think Beck Bennett played those really well. And but, but Will Ferrell was just kind of the master at at confident idiots. And and I think George W. Bush is a uh, yep. a really great <laughs> really great example of that. He also played like we mentioned people who were a little unhinged. Um, I'm gonna go rapid fire a little bit, but I think of. I don't know if you remember those Neil Diamond sketches that he did. Uh, One of those, the first one that he did was they used to do the storytellers. It was like VH1 storytellers. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of hard to find uh, online uh, because of copyright issues with the music and stuff. But he plays a version of Neil Diamond that is so completely unhinged. Let's all do the best we can. I can turn invisible if I really try hard. I, I can't quite remember how that one goes. 
I, I gotta admit, I'm a little high. <laughs> Kenny over here gave me some dynamite pills. Hey, come on, man. Hey, cool out. Just everyone, cool out. Cool out! That's one of my favorite all-time sketches, too, that, that first yeah. Neil, Neil Diamond one. Because Wolf, you just have that classic, just Will Ferrell bursting out you know he's he's calm he's calm and then he burst out yelling out of nowhere he tells these weird stories so will ferrell's unhinged nature just <laughs> just yeah. just does that for me yeah no that one i think was was perfect just of like saying increasingly like kind of offensive things potentially oh, yeah. about neil diamond's character but just in a way that's fun it becomes so over the top that it's not like it doesn't matter like the accuracy or whatever it's the the fun of it it's just it makes it a fun, life-filled kind of sketch. Yeah, exactly. We see Unhinged in that dysfunctional family dinner yeah. where he famously drives a Dodge Stratus. Yep. yep. Yeah, so so we see Unhinged in that, with he and Anna Gasteyer. Uh, when he plays Terrence Maddox and the like, the guy who who poses in the art classes. Yes. Oh, those are so fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, the different poses and oh my gosh. Yeah. He he just I, you could go through his entire sketch history and that's just he plays those so beautifully. Is there anything that you especially highlighted? Oh, okay. So what what else? I really loved the evil boss sketch with Will Ferrell. So this is the one where I think it's Pierce Brosnan is the applicant coming in. And for this one, I, I feel like what I love about it is it's Will Ferrell, just a lot of yelling. He's just being a completely inappropriate boss for someone who is applying to be at this company. You see him interacting with all the other people in the office in just the most ridiculous way. And I think what's fun about this one is like at a certain point, it doesn't even like matter what he's yelling. Like it's great when he's yelling a hilarious line and whatnot, but it's it's the delivery. You're laughing at him and his portrayal first, and the material becomes just a bonus at that point. Um, so this was one that that for me, I I always really enjoyed just because it was Will Ferrell doing things that Will Ferrell does best. Yeah, and you mentioned in the Neil Diamond sketches how the stuff that he was saying was so outlandish that you didn't even take it seriously. Yeah. And it was just funny. That's that's what that, that evil boss sketch was the same way. I mean, the stuff that he was yep. doing to his employees was just so out there as to just not be taken seriously. And and, and Will Will was just so great with that on the show. Um, well, listeners are yelling at us because we forgot people like Harry Carey. Hey, now, Ken, we all know that the moon is not made of green cheese. Yes, that's true, Harry. But, but what if it were made of barbecue spare ribs? Would you eat it then? Yes. <laughs> oh, that's so good as well. Like, you, it's endless. It really is. I feel like that one, too, is like timing. I touched on it a little bit earlier, but the timing in particular when he's doing that role, I just feel like, the line delivery and just almost like a little bit of awkwardness in it, but in the best possible way, there's the, the line with like Jeff Goldblum about like the barbecue spare ribs and just like seeing Jeff Goldblum's reaction to that. It just, it's this absurdity that comes into play. It's the, it's the delivery. It's just, it works whether you know kind of the original, like the source material or not, which I think is the, 
the best, a testament to to Will in particular. Yeah, I know baseball uh, or people who aren't baseball fans yep. who who enjoy those sketches. Of course, Harry Carey used to be the Chicago Cubs announcer for a long, long time, and I know people who even yeah, you're like you're right. People who don't didn't even know who Harry Carey was yep. were able to enjoy that. We haven't mentioned James Lipton inside the actor's studio. That was one of my favorites. Yes, yes. I feel like, again, just like the portrayal. And I thought that was actually a, a good portrayal mm-hmm. as well, um, just in terms of like the, the impression bit. But just commitment. It's so it's just so consistent. Like you I I come away from some of these older episodes just really feeling like you can put Will Ferrell in pretty much anything and he's just going to make it great. He's just going to throw his 100% self into it. And I think that one is another kind of perfect example. Jamie, I'm glad that I have someone on who's so into stats <laughs> and stuff like like you. Uh, of course, you created TV show Graphs, uh, which, is, which I follow and I, I think your graphs are great. And I'm glad I have you on because I think that statistically, if this were possible, Will Ferrell probably has the best case as the greatest cast member of all time. I really do. So like if we found some sort of metric that accounted for quality sketches and a cast member's impact on those quality sketches, if we were able to to put numbers to back that up, I really, in my heart of hearts, think that Will Ferrell would have the best case as the greatest cast member of all time. Agreed, agreed. And I I wish some of the numbers were more readily available. And maybe they are, I might just not know where to look for them. But around like, it just felt like he was in so much during his years on the show, like he became such a staple of the show where it at times felt like he was almost in everything. And even though he wasn't, we had that feeling. And I would love to kind of understand a little bit more about like, if the, the numbers support that, I would think they do. Um, even just in terms of like looking at like YouTube data and like popularity of some of these older sketches that are still getting people going to them today and re-watching them. Uh, I feel like really, really is a testament to Will Ferrell. And I feel like new sketches like that, that happens a little bit automatically in a lot of cases, but for people to be actually going back and watching things that happened 20 or 30 years ago on the show just speaks to the fact that I think a lot of Will Ferrell's comedy is just as funny in 2022 mm-hmm. as it was when it was airing live, in my opinion. And we just have to look at his uh, briefly just after SNL. A lot of cast members don't quite, their humor doesn't and talent doesn't quite translate after SNL in, in many cases. But in, in a five-year period, starting in 2003, he did Old School, Elf, Anchorman had a cameo in Wedding Crashers, Talladega Nights, Stranger Than Fiction, Blades of Glory, Semi-Pro, and Step Brothers in a five-year period. And he was the person in comedy. And we yeah. saw his work on SNL reflecting that, too. Yep. No, I, I completely agree. And I, I think while on the one hand, I look at like the, the post-SNL career a, a bit separately from the like Hall of Fame mm-hmm. discussion, it also, it does tie in in that I feel like the fact that his comedy style from SNL resonated so deeply with so many people was what allowed him to create that instant audience when he left. Like, it's not for me that he made a certain number of movies, but that he created that legacy from his time on SNL that 
gave him a, a built-in audience. And to me, that does speak to the, the legacy that he left from SNL because people resonated with this person and just thought he was next level hilarious and wanted to see more of him. And, and I think that that is a huge part of his legacy that should be discussed. So Will Ferrell, in your opinion, this is probably an easy question. Will Ferrell, first ballot SNL Hall of Famer? Absolutely. I feel like for me, it's, it's a few things. It's the, the timing that we discussed, like undoubtedly he was one of the leaders of saving SNL in the time period where he came in. So like that piece of impact is a given, but honestly, I feel like beyond that, it's the fact that his sketches are some of the most timeless ones ever. He had this brand of comedy that almost became synonymous with just his name that just continues to resonate. I feel like it's the fact that regardless of whether any one person loves his style or not, you can like him, you can not like him. It connected with millions and millions of people at a time when it was important to do that. And I feel like you look at Will Ferrell and you just see like, this is a person who was born to excel at sketch comedy. And he, he does that just at a next level. Wow, that is uh, an incredible conversation that just uh, occurred between Jamie Burwood and Thomas Senna uh, about the case, the curious case, of Will Ferrell entering the SNL Hall of Fame. What do you think? First ballot, right? Slam dunk, right? I don't know about the greatest of all time, but he's, is he on Rushmore? Is he on the Mount Rushmore of SNL? I think probably. Um, it would be difficult to imagine the show and the show's history without him. As they mentioned in the in the cast, uh, you know, season 20 was perilous. And um, by season 22, things were starting to click again. And, you know, by the time Will Ferrell left the show, uh, it was getting ready to enter its, uh, you know, another golden age. And um, that's really quite interesting to me. Let's go to the sketch that was selected by Thomas and Jamie. Uh, this is uh, some more of our uh, of our friend uh, Harry Carey. Uh, as we learned in the minutia minute, um, Will Ferrell was a sports journalist by uh, by education uh, at one point, and. Um, that that makes this character resonate with me a little bit more. It, it, you know, he wasn't just making fun. He was, he was really enjoying the, you know, the concept of, of this character that he, this character that he had uh, etched out of um, the real life, Harry Carey. So let's go to that now. From the outermost reaches of the universe to the innermost planets of our solar system, this is space, the infinite frontier. With your host, Chicago Cubs broadcaster, Harry Carey. Hi, everybody. Harry Carey here. And welcome to Space the Infinite Frontier. We've got a great show lined up for you. Joining us in the studio today, all the way from Caltech, is astrophysicist Dr. Ken Waller. Welcome to the show, Ken. 
Thanks so much. It's nice being here. Now, now, Doctor, recently they've discovered that there might be life on one of the moons of Jupiter. Yeah. Now, that's got to be exciting for you. Oh, yeah, Harry, we're, we're thrilled to discover that life can theoretically exist uh, below the surface of planets due to the heat caused by volcanic activity. That's something else. Yeah. Hi! <laughs> Let me ask, what's your favorite planet? Well, I, I don't have a favorite. Uh, I find them all fascinating. They're all part of a... Mine's the sun! <laughs> Always has been. I like it because it's like the king of planets. Well, actually, Harry, it's not a... Not a planet, it's a star. Well, planet or star, when that thing burns out, we're all gonna be dead. <laughs> well, that's, that's true, but it's not gonna burn out for a very long time, of course. I hope not. Hey, doctor, have you ever seen an eclipse? Oh, yeah, I've seen many, yes. You know, if you stare at it head on, it'll burn your eyes out. Well, it's not, not, not best to stare at it, the sun during an eclipse, you know. But it's hard not to. I once took a pair of binoculars and stared at the sun for over an hour. Why would you do that? Curiosity, I guess. Heck, I'm curious like a cat. I have a couple of friends that call me Whiskers. Because you're curious like a cat? Yes. Now, Ken, we all know that the moon is not made of green cheese. Yes, that's true, Harry. But, but what if it were made of barbecue spare ribs? Would you eat it then? What? I know I would. Heck, I'd have seconds. And then, then polish it off with a tall, cool Budweiser. <laughs> I would do it. Yeah, yeah. Would you? <laughs> I'm confused. It's a simple question, doctor. Would you eat the moon if it were made of ribs? Well, I don't, I, I don't know how to answer that. So. It's not rocket science. Just say yes and we'll move on. Yes. Hey! mad cow disease. What about it? Well, it was here for a while, then it went away. Your thoughts? Yes, yes, it was what was in the news for a while, and then it disappeared from, from the news. Good point. Jeez, I hope I never get it. If you had a choice between being the top scientist in your field or getting mad cow disease, what would it be? Well, of course I would choose to be the top scientist in my field. Oh, good. I was worried you'd choose mad cow. Why would you think that? I guess I'm just a worrier. That's, that's why my friends call me Whiskers. I thought you said your friends called you Whiskers because you were curious as a cat. Well, Dr. Wallen, it has been a pleasure. We've covered a lot of ground, shared a few laughs. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure, my pleasure. He's a good kid. That's all the time we have. Join us next week with our guest, Albert Einstein.
What? Well, apparently Albert Einstein died 42 years ago. <laughs> you know what? We'll try and get him anyway. See you next time. Cubs win. Cubs win. That was uh, Will Ferrell uh, portraying <laughs> his unique take on Harry Carey, and it's a funny one. It's really great. Uh, but you know what? You've got to give uh, our boy Jeff Goldblum uh, some props there, too. He really keeps that sketch moving along, doesn't break, and um, you know, there's a lot of opportunity for him to break. Uh, but he, you know, just sort of Jeff Goldblum's his way through it, and it's it really works as a sketch. It's great. Uh, so I'm going to recap. We want to thank Jamie Burwood for joining us on behalf of Thomas and Matt and myself. We're so thrilled to have such great guests all the time, and Jamie uh, was, you know, a, a, another in a long line of them. Other than that, I can tell you that it would behoove you to register to vote so that you have a vote when the time comes. You're going to be able to cast uh, up to 15 votes in the SNL Hall of Fame, and um, I'm real curious to see who we end up sending to the hall this year. Of course, the hall announcement will be made in May. Uh, all the announcements will be made in May, even though you will be voting halfway through the year. The announcements will come in May as one monster class. Uh, so that's what I've got for you. So if you would, please do me a favor on your way past the weekend update exhibit. Turn out the light. Because the SNL Hall of Fame is now closed. Thanks for listening to the SNL Hall of Fame podcast. Make sure to rate, review, share, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on social media at SNLHOF. This is Doug Denant saying, this is Doug Denant saying, see you next week. and such. A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109.